0: This is the Lombardi Line with Michael Lombardi and Patrick
3: Maher on VCEN. All right,
2: so Lombardi Line is we welcome you in. We say hi on a Thursday. I'm Patrick Maher live from the VCEN studios here at the mm-hmm. South Point. Michael Lombardi. Uh, I see just a couple of news and notes here to start off the second hour here, Michael Lombardi. One, your boy mm-hmm. Baker Mayfield had the shoulder surgery. He said he he looks to return to his quote true self. Uh, the timetable is four to six months. Quarterback situation in Pittsburgh's interesting. I guess they're pretending like Dwayne Haskins and Mason Rudolph are going to be the heir apparents to uh, Ben Roethlisberger. That is not happening. Those two can't uh, play the position. How are <laughs> are you kidding me? <laughs>
4: I mean, what do you want them to say? I, mean, I don't know. They know I don't you know, know. They, they're basically, they're, they, they, they have no, re, I mean, this is going to be, for all these people that are having this conversation, where's Russell Wilson going to end up? Where's Deshaun Watson? You know, all these, I mean, there's not enough quarterbacks and too many teams need them. You know, it's like, where who the Browns going to get rid of? You know, get rid of, you know, Russell Wilson's leaving Seattle. Well, who's going to play quarterback for Seattle? You know? I mean, it 's a really finite a commodity
2: it 's a finite commodity right it's I
4: hard mean, it's really hard and and you know this and people are going to force quarterbacks in the first round of the draft. you know that, but are they going to be ready to play you know i don 't think so and there 's just not a free agent market out there for quarterbacks i mean so you know i, I mean i 'm with you on on Mason Rudolph I think Mason Rudolph is exactly the kind of quarterback that the colleges are giving us today along with haskins they 're very similar in that they can anticipate throws. They, they basically hold the ball in the RPO system, wait for the receiver to get open, and then throw that's it. Right. And if you do that in the NFL, it's too late. It's Jalen Hurts' problem. And Howie Roseman came out yesterday and said, we're bringing Hurts back. We're going to build a team around him. And I, my answer to that is, I said it on my podcast today, that's wonderful, that I would suggest Nick Sirianni go back and start watching 1930 tape. And I don't mean this disrespectfully because I mean this sincerely. Like, go back and start watching the games from the 30, the Notre Dame box formation, and start to utilize some of the stuff because it, it, it wasn't a great passing league at that time. And it was a lot of different kind of runs. And you're going to have to run a lot of different kind of runs with Hurts because whenever you play a playoff game and you can only run the football, you're going to lose. You're going to lose. You get, it's a throwing league. I mean, the Colts are the perfect example of that. The Colts, at the end of the day, couldn't play pass defense when they needed it, and they couldn't throw the ball when they needed it. That's why they didn't win. You say, well, they're a better team. Yeah, they had great. Jonathan Taylor was great, but they can't throw it, and they can't stop the throw. I don't care how many interviews Zebra Floos gets. I just, I would like to get into the mindset of the Jacksonville Jaguars after they just – I mean, two reasons. They fired Nathaniel Hackett with Blake Bortles midseason, okay, And now they're interviewing for a head coaching job. What did he learn in Green Bay that all of a sudden became? Why did you fire him the first time? Which was wrong to do. Okay, that's one. Two. Did they watch the, the Colts defense against Jack? The, the only time the Colt, the J- Jaguars ever moved the ball all year consistently was against the Colts.
2: <laughs> and and they were efficient in that game, man. It was like there was they weren't even sweating. And they didn't sweating. just move
4: it once. No. Yeah, they didn't just move it once. They moved it every time. No, I mean, it was you're like right. a joke. You're right. So like like seriously like and now it, we're going to we're going to hire Weaver head head coach, I'm at Tre- Trevor Lawrence by like, "Why, well, man, that's great. I look good against him." You know? So I I just think to me, you know, it's just it it, it it is hard to pre- understand a lot of stuff that goes on. And I think as we lend itself to Philly, that they can bring Hurts back. Like, you can bring Rudolph and you can bring Haskins back. But the problems, the innate problems that they have playing the position won't go away.
2: Well, Howie Roseman did say that Jalen Hurts has earned the starting role in 2022. I, I don't know if that's window dressing. Like, what is he supposed to say? But he did say that.
4: Yeah, I mean, exactly. I don't know what else he was going to say, right? But I I just think to me, you know, at the end of the day, he has to be realistic. He has to be realistic.
2: Um, Quickly, Hendrickson, who led the Bengals. Hendrickson was a great pickup. Remember how great he was last year for the Saints in the postseason in in that game? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was. He's been cleared to play. That will be huge. But they're thin in the middle of that defensive front, and that is going to play into this. But I just want to let you know Hendrickson has been cleared, so looks like he's going to be good to go on on uh, Saturday.
4: Yeah, I mean, they're going to need him. I mean, they're going to need him. Now, you know, it's a good, you know, it's a good matchup. They, if they get ahead in the game, they're going to need him to put some pressure. But we know this. Tennessee, no matter what happens, are, is not going to change what they do. They're going to they come out. Mm-hmm. They're going to run the inside and outside zone. They're going to play action. They're going to get the ball to A.J. Brown. You know, and if they get the lead in this game, and they're able to force Cincinnati to have to be a drop back pass team, then I think it's going to be problematic for them.
2: Okay, before we delve back into the matchups, what I haven't talked to you in a couple days. So, what are you hearing? You don't have to give me sources. You don't have to tell me anything. When it comes to the coaches, are we? Is there anything bubbling right now? You know what it does feel like. Quinn just interviewed. It feels like this is – it's not – there's a lot of names, but it's not top-heavy, this go-around, as far as the, the, the no, there's cycling.
4: No, there, there's no sense of urgency to hire anyone, right? There's, now, I think Dan Quinn, he's got a ton of interviews, and I do think Dan Quinn still is the favorite in Denver, okay. and I think he will go to Denver, but there's, something could happen along the path here because Denver's a little bit tricky because they're going to sell the team. You know, and how does that affect the new coach, right? Mm -hmm. You know, because most owners that spend $5 billion on something would like to have the guy that they want as the coach. Just throwing it out there. Mm -hmm. So I I think that that's going on. I I think the one thing that what I'm seeing, observing the league and talking to people, is the devaluation of the head coaching position in the National Football League. They have basically have really – taking it down and want it to be more of an organizational and there is continuation of really getting the analytical community more involved in play calling more involved in decision making during the game which in some instances might help and so to do that they're going to hire younger coaches like the Jonathan Gannon's or Kellen Moore's people like that that don't have a lot of experience to fight the change in system it's going on in Minnesota right now I think you'll see Minnesota hire a young coach that they can really develop a little bit What Philly did, too, with, with Sirianni. It Play calling doesn't have to matter because they want the organization to carry the coach, not the coach carry the organization. I think that's what's going on. And that's why you're seeing so many different people interviewing for jobs. And then I think the only job really, if you look over the landscape of jobs, that is a true football job would be the Raiders. Because whomever he hires at the Raiders, and I don't think it'll be Versace, whomever he hires, he will run the organization.
2: Well, I'm glad you brought that up because a lot of friends in Michigan texting the last couple of days. You know, the rumors are if Jim Harbaugh were to be offered the Raider job, he would take it. I think a lot of it goes to what you just said there. Harbaugh's a smart guy. He knows that he would have ultimate say there with the Raiders, whereas any other organization, you're almost puppeteered. It, with Harbaugh, yeah. do you do you lend credence to the idea that Harbaugh could leave Michigan?
4: Yeah, I do, but I mean, if they were going to act on Harbaugh, they would have acted. Now they might still. I think there's a. I think there's someone else they're involved with there. I don't know who it is. They're interviewing uh, different people. They're going to start interviewing a bunch of GM ca- candidates. So. I don't know what the plan is. Ken Harrock, the former uh, Raider personnel executive, actually the guy that I followed at the Raiders who went on to Green Bay was the Atlanta Falcons general manager. He's helping Mark Davis along with Marcel Reese in the search process. So, you know, I do think knowing enough about Mark – and knowing his dad, that I think they're going to want to hire somebody that has some sense. And I'm not saying they're going to hire an x Raider, but some sense of understanding game management. I can only imagine how furious Mark Davis was when they spiked that ball. Because you pointed out that imagine. he,
2: you pointed out that he is big into game management.
4: Loves it. It was I got taught the same way as the, he did. I mean, I learned some from Belichick, but I learned a lot from Al. And, and the way I think about the game, I learned from Al. And so, so I, I mean he had to learn the same thing, you know, he, he knows it. And so when he watches his team not operate in that manner, I would suspect that that was really, you know, really a hard thing for him to accept he gave away a play, you know, and then you throw the ball short in the end zone. I mean, I mean, if that, if he would have been alive for that, those two plays, Oh my goodness.
2: Don't you think it's fascinating? Oh my that there, there's a generation in, you know, in your book, you discuss it and, you're certainly cl- as close to, as anybody. But the idea that Al Davis, he's a brilliant football mind, but he became something different. He represented something different to a whole new generation. I'm 43. And for me, it was the owner walking around in the tracksuit. Didn't necessarily know him as the, until I read about the league, didn't really know him as the brilliant football mind in Al right. Davis
4: yeah and, and you, you know you saw this franchise lose over the final ten years of his life and look really bad doing it and you you know and so that's what happens when you're not willing to really i mean the 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 t v show succession could have been the the history of the <laughs> when you're unwilling to let it go right when you don't want to just give it to somebody when you want to keep doing it the way you've always done it it's a problem i mean it's what's, now they say in New York they're going to change they say the giants are going to give the g m all the authority he needs. I believe it when I see it.
2: Would you, would you pinpoint the Eagles as the forebear's marginalization head coach, if you point, connect that? Meaning we're entering a yeah, new no, era, I do, I do. The, the marginalization I, I, of the head I, coach's power.
4: I think a lot of this is a, mo- motivated by the younger generation of the sons of these owners, and I think that they want to be able to – I think they feel like they're having a hard time finding a great coach. And so since we can't find a great coach, let's find it. Let's build a great organization. I think that's really what it is. And, yeah, I, and I can't argue with it. I can't. Right. I can't. I, I can't say that's stupid. I, I'm just saying I think that's it's not what I would do. But I can't argue with it because it's, it puts a lot of strain. And you have a lot of people involved. And knowing the league like I do, when you have that many people involved, nobody is going to be around when you lose. It's and, always going to be somebody else's fault.
2: And, Michael, those big names, the Stalwarts, are starting, you know, the Belichicks, the Reeds. The one that you mentioned, Harbaugh still has the cachet. So if Harbaugh were to take a job, I think there would be some cachet along with it as far as right. expectations from his perspective,
4: right? Right. And the only one I think he fits for, because he doesn't fit in Chicago. We could talk about when we come back. Because Chicago wants that. They want the same kind of organization I'm talking about.
2: Oh good, I, I, I want to ask you about that. Um, We've got a great audience in Chicago. We'll discuss that. We've got a mall coming up next and I want to ask Michael about what's Chicago looking for uh, continuing their head coaching search as well. It's Lombardi line.
0: If you dare.
3: to the Lombardi line on v featuring former NFL executive Michael Lombardi now once again here's Patrick Maher okay
2: it's never too early to prepare for the big game and we want to make sure v is a part of your plans you see it right there the big game coverage 56 hours of free coverage betting strategies big game betting guide you get the matchup analysis Betting market insights, it's all there. It's the biggest game of the year, so make plans now to join VSIN, the betting experts, before, during, and after the action. VSIN.com, this is going to be our sixth annual live big game betcast as well, so ride with us throughout the big game. Michael Lombardi there. Uh, I'm Patrick Maher here at the South Point. We go down the road to the circa and we're gonna have fifty six hours of free video coverage for the big game and I think Amal Shaw is going to handle fifty hours of that fifty six hour broadcast. Wow. Amal, are you are you getting up early on that Sunday? Uh, you and Femi, are you gonna be hanging out here at like three AM? What's, What's going on with What's you?
3: What's going on with you? Negative Ghost Rider, the pattern is full. Are you kidding me? <laughs>
2: <laughs> so, so, so you've shut down as far as those uh, those Sunday hours. Who's got the Super Bowl this year, by the way?
3: Who's got it? Who's got it? Yeah, which network?
2: That's a good question. What I'm trying to think. I, think, it it's last uh, I, I think, think it's. Right? I think it, it's. It, 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 I think it is. Uh, is it
4: Nance and Romo? I think so, yeah. I think so, yeah. I think it is. Well, I think it is. My
3: point being, I'm sure they'll have a plethora of additional coverage that's unnecessary and unwarranted. You know, you can probably tune into that. I don't know really what we're going to tell you at 0, 0500 hours. That's going to make a difference on your prop <laughs> play that you couldn't get nine days earlier. <laughs> Come on, Amal. People on, are going to watch people the people show. Watch? Quick killin the, quit killing it. Quit killing it. Hey, Michael, listen, i like to be a realist. There's no reason to invest that much time on something to go make one prop bet. Let's, let's let people be efficient with their time. Very important. Yeah. Time is There's a ton problems. of prop bet.
4: We could do it. We so give me your weekend. Let me, what are your thoughts what, what, on the first
3: game? Uh, who's the first game? Is that the Cincinnati Bengals? <laughs> <tennis> <laughs> yes, match? that would, yes, be, yes, it. Sir. It would yes, be it. Yes, sir. Why, why would I sit there and be looking at the NFL when they're handing out college basketball gravy every night in Creighton? Um, Bottom line is, I look at this matchup, it's going to come down to Derrick Henry. How healthy is he? How impactful can he be? Do they officially activate him and go from there? Once we find that out, I think we'll see what this Tennessee team can be. I do think, Michael, if you look at it from a Tennessee and Cincinnati perspective, huge advantage here, the fact that neither of these teams would have to face both Kansas City and Buffalo. So you feel good about that. Tennessee, what an opportunity. You have home games, and you look at it and say, hey, we're playing the Bengals, team that's a little bit banged up. On the defensive side of the ball, particularly on the defensive front, a great situation for them against this team. Young, not as experienced. Vrabel does a tremendous job. I think – I believe Zach Taylor should be coach of the year just for the turnaround that they've had. But I think Mike Vrabel is maybe one of the most underrated coaches, if not the underrated coach in the NFL.
4: Yeah, he's my coach of the year. I mean, what he's been able to do with this team this year, uh, the injuries that he had, all the players he's lost, and yet he's still able to come back and and have the number one seed with a team that – Anybody who wins the Coach of the Year award, not named Mike Vrabel, wouldn't be able to win seven games with that team that Mike's coaching. Yeah.
3: My, yeah 100%, Michael I think Patrick, real quick, I think Michael makes a great point and the one thing is, do you, is it because of the Henry loss or because of the fact that they got a quarterback who couldn't beat out Gerard Johnson at A and M?
4: Well, I I think think it's a combination of all. They had defensive line injuries. They had offensive line injuries. They had secondary injuries. I mean, they had injuries everywhere, you know, not just the big back, you know, and they're so married to their system of hard play action, throw it down the field because of the guy who couldn't beat out the kid from A&M. So I'm with you. I I mean, I think that Vrabel – The things that show up in playoff time are situational football. And obviously the Raiders didn't do it very well. The Patriots didn't even compete in that level. And, you know, the teams that lost didn't, the Cowboys certainly. But this is where Tennessee excels. This is where they excel the most, and they're able to do it really effectively. And, you know, I just think to me when you watch them play, they're very, very good when they protect the football. Now, the, 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 top, the one thing I'll give the Bengals credit for, they're 16th in the league in turnover takeaway differential. They're, they're at zero. They're even on the board, right? As much as I talk about Tennessee not turning the ball over, they're minus three. So there is a little bit of a difference in variance there, but when Tennessee plays their best, when they play their best, they don't turn the ball over.
2: To be fair, didn't Ryan go there to play wide receiver, Amal? Was that was uh, didn't that was, makes it, it even was, worse. It does make it, it, dra- it, it does make it, even it, does even make worse. it. Um, we just circa just went to five and a half circa went to five and a half earlier. DraftKings just went to five and a half in Green Bay. So that number coming off of six a little bit. Are you surprised to see it start dipping back down towards San Francisco here, Amal?
3: I am not. When you look at this 49ers team, to me, look, the only uh, real flaw with them is Jimmy Garoppolo. Debo Samuel is one of the top two or three playmakers in the NFL. I I don't know if there's a running back that runs harder than him. Think about it, guys, how tough he is just to bring down, even on plays that you look like you're going to gain half a yard. He just seems to always fall forward and keeps the legs moving. It's tremendous. We know what uh, George Kittle was MIA and Cowboys did a nice job on him in that game Sunday, but you look at those ta- that talent. The offensive line has done a terrific job. And then on top of it, defensively, now Bosa's concussion is a concern. Uh, Fred Warner getting banged up a little bit. That's my one thing that I would push back on with San Francisco. My, my caveat, though, with this team is Jimmy Garoppolo. I, I just, you know, it's the old Mike Singletary line. Can't win with him.
4: But they have one with them. I mean, you can't say that they have. No. I mean, I'm well, not no, the no, fa- no won they have one him. with Let them. Let me
3: tell you something. Emmanuel Sanders would say differently. They got a ring if this guy could throw the ball with any kind of accuracy within an area code. You're trying to tell me there aren't 15 quarterbacks that they're playing in San Francisco, right. Kyle Shanahan system with Debo Samuel, that they wouldn't make it to the, uh, where they are at this point?
4: Well, I mean, I've, we've seen it. Whenever they don't play them, they lose badly. Look at—have you seen Shanahan's record without Garoppolo? How about this? How about the Super Bowl? Third and fifteen. Your boy Robert Salai is over there calling defense. He's, he's got a third and fifteen. They're up by ten points. What happens? Completion I don't to there, but You want to know the? They got a first and goal. They have a first and, they have a first and goal in the goal. They have a third and goal at the goal line. He plays man to man. They get pass interference. And then all of a sudden the what? game falls apart. I mean, I think to what? me, I, I, I'm not suggesting Garoppolo is a top ten player. I'm not. But I think, I think everything that falls on his shoulders is always, well, and they, they can win with anybody, and yet it's proven they can't win with
3: anybody. Well, well hold on a second, because the, you've had Beathard. You've had uh, the other kid. I forgot his name right now. Uh, he was Nick in Washington. you said anybody. I mean. M- yeah, M- M- and then, of Mollens, course, you've got Trey Becker, Lance. None of these guys. These guys are – these guys – let me Brian tell you something. Hoyer. They should be sacking yeah. groceries somewhere. They should be asking you want fries with that. Are you kidding me? These aren't NFL quarterbacks. And you know what the biggest indictment – You um, said anybody. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo you was at the end anybody. of the first half in that Super Bowl. Hold on a second. At the end of that – I said 15 quarterbacks. They me 15 guys. At the end of the first half with two timeouts in his pocket, Kyle Shanahan didn't try to move and matriculate the ball down the field. When Kansas City had second and 16, they didn't call timeout with that defense. He doesn't believe in this guy. There's a reason why you saw this guy short-army three-yard oh, out to I, Kittle.
4: I beg to differ with you. He believes in him. He does not believe in Lance. If he didn't believe in him, he would have put him out of there. He, the whole team is the, the whole team believes that he's the only. They give him a chance. Look how they react to him. I mean, look at how the team reacts to Garoppolo compared to how the team reacts to the mayor of Munchkin, Land Murray. L-
3: listen, listen. If you're in Alaska, if watching, you're in Alaska, a woman who's a four there is going to look like an eight compared to L.A. That's what Jimmy Garoppolo is. They're looking around at the I didn't know we were doing dance. a There's dating show. I didn't know. I'm just giving you an we analogy were doing that relates a to our audience.
4: I just think, look at it. Look at it. It's the same. I mean, all I'm saying is, look, I'm not in love with Garoppolo. I like the kid. I think, that, I think people just dump on him when there's other circumstances that have happened in the game. The Tennessee game another game. They're 9-for-15 on third down. Everybody said, well, Garoppolo stunk in that game. Now, wait a minute. You, were nine, you allowed 9-for-15 against a team that doesn't have a drop-back pass game. And most of those third downs you allowed to happen were third and long. Third and 23 convert. Third, all I'm saying is spread the blame out a little bit. Let's even the field a little bit. Let's like let's take
3: sure that well, hold on I a think second. Debo Samuel's Who's, whose fault was it on that pass to Brian, Brandon Ayuk on third down, wide open that he airmailed him. Who's, who was who was well, that I, threw I, that I interception? I, should have thrown the ball into
4: the stands. I I don't disagree. He makes mistakes. I'm not defending him. I'm just saying he's not he's not all the, the problem. They have other issues. They have other issues, I don't, and in that game too, we, that, we find out he we find out he had a broke he, he he hurt his thumb. So now we find that out, and now you're kicking the guy when he's hurt.
3: Well, wait a minute. If Baker Mayfield people are saying he shouldn't play when he's injured, you can't have it on both sides. Then Jimmy Garoppolo left shouldn't shoulder. play if he's injured. It's his,
4: well, I, but if he's throwing I understand hand, that all, all
3: I'm saying is I've if seen a guy finish
4: injured. a game with a broken. I've seen a guy finish a, a quarterback finish a game with a broken finger, on his throwing hand. You just get through it, but then the next game you're not so good.
3: I'm not defending him. I'm just saying
4: don't dump on him.
3: No, well, hold on a second. He's paid like an elite quarterback. You expect an elite performance. No, he's not. No, he's not. He's not paid like an elite. He's in the 20s, Elites in the 30s, uh, 40s. He's not elite. Well, because there's a lot of stupid general managers doesn't make it excusable for guys that are sucks who shouldn't be getting paid like that. You know, there's a reason why Rick Spielman's out of a job paying Kirk Cousins three years $84 million. And where did that get the Vikings?
4: Mediocrity. Well, I think – I mean, we, you know, I, I, I think to me, I, I think it would be perfect if, if you took some of these jobs and then you decide how you're going to spread the money around because you got to pay the quarter. Well, I can I mean, tell that's you the one problem. thing: I
3: wouldn't overpay. I wouldn't acquiesce to Jimmy Sexton and everything because I'm scared and then, of potentially losing and, and,
4: somebody. And then you'd have Nick, and then you'd have Nick Mullen, and you'd be out of work in a year. That's
3: what would happen. Well, that's fine. I'd that's, rather be out with Nick Mullen knowing he's terrible than paying a guy $25 million who doesn't perform for me. Look at the throws. How can you it. sit there and tell me that Brandon Ayuk's throw wasn't on Jimmy Garoppolo? They win the game right there. It's I said the it was. Quarter. I just said it was.
4: I didn't say it was, and I said it was. I just, I, say I just you're feel like you got to fully on disclose you're
3: his agent. Are you his agent? I need to know. I, I am
4: Come the on. agent of truth, and the truth is they <laughs> let some other areas best their team. For those of you wondering at home, Amal Shaw does not
2: drink caffeine. That was all just him. <laughs> I don't know what that was. Great job, Amal. Thank you, buddy. Thanks, Odds guys. On coming up Appreciate next it. Amal and Mike. Take care.
3: You're listening to The Lombardi Line on V featuring former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now, once again, here's Patrick Maher.
2: Okay, if you're just joining us, you missed a wonderful and explosive conversation between Michael Lombardi and Amal Shaw about Jimmy Garoppolo. And if you missed it, you can hear it. Go to visoncom slash podcast. Stay up to date with free Vison podcasts. It's every show. By the way, the Lombardi line can now be found wherever you get your podcast, so go download it. Uh, but whether it's Gil Alexander uh, beating the book, Market Insights with Josh, Applebaum, Hardwood Handicappers, JV2 with the NBA doing a great job, Follow the Money, My Guys in the Desert, Costco. So they're all there, vison.com slash podcast. I'd say that's the most asked question I get. Do you guys have podcasts? Yeah, every show is archived, vison.com slash podcast. Patrick? <laughs> yes, sir. Yes. <laughs> yes.
4: I thought it was awesome. I mean, all I was trying to do, you know, one thing about them all, you can you know, a little match will strike a fire going crazy and money. When you bring money into the equation, I mean a mall must look at these salaries of other people and just, just keep banging his he must like Khrushchev banging his shoe on the table, you know. But I, I think what was all I was trying to bring out, besides we getting into a dating game in Alaska, was the was the the the, the problems with their team, which is remarkable is that he's not all their problems. That's all I was trying to say. I acknowledge that he misses receivers. I acknowledge he makes dumb decisions. I'll be the first to tell you that. However, I don't think you can lay all the blame. I don't think it's as easy as, okay, we get rid of Garoppolo, we win, because they tried that already. And that hasn't worked out yet. And, the, and you can't deny Shanahan's record with the quarterback.
2: Yeah, and as John just mentioned, he's as far as average, I think he's probably 12 to 15. Somebody's paid 12-ish, somewhere in there. Jimmy Garoppolo, average salary. His contract,
4: I, really. I mean, I know, Mister. I would love to see a mall run a salary cap because, I mean, he might not pay anybody the minimum. I mean, if you think Mike Brown's not going to pay, I can't, Amal's not. I mean, like, you have to pay somebody, you know? Yeah. They, and, he's, you know, <laughs> if he, and if he thinks he's not going to let Jimmy Sexton dictate to him, he doesn't know Jimmy Sexton. I mean, I could tell you that right now.
2: A spark around a mall can turn into something big. They called them kindling back in high school. Just any little kindling no laying around. No doubt. I loved it. It'll it start a so fire. so good
4: i um, um, great he's coming on next we with, should play Billy Joel we didn't start the fire when he comes on from now on okay That's what we he's, should do. he's
2: got a he's got a walk-up song now Amal um, show love them all uh, coming up next odds on with he and Mike we bring in our buddy Josh Applebaum now market insights is the pod slash podcast as I mentioned before betting across America with Pritch we say hi to Ch- Josh you you got a lot to live up to with the explosiveness
1: how are we feeling today man I'm feeling good, by the way. Michael, looking good with a haircut. Me and Patrick, we got we got to get our ears lowered and keep up with you. You're looking good. So, uh, guys, I would say, you know, one thing we've seen so far, just before we dive into some of these games, I did some research on the divisional round in particular and how we uh, kind of see the betting market develop. So what's interesting, guys, we have seen favorites do very well to start, five and one straight up and against the spread so far this playoffs. But if you get to the divisional round, what's really interesting is if we're just looking at straight up, throw away the spread, who we typically wins these games, it's home favorites over the last decade, home favorites in the divisional round, 27 and 8, 77%. Now, of course, because you're going money line, you, you know, you're not making a huge profit here. You're only up about three units, but it just goes to show you that the home favorites do typically win these games almost eight out of 10. Now, in terms of covering the number, though, it's almost 50-50. It's pretty much 17 and 18 against the spread. So as we look at these games, keep that in mind. It's not that these home favorites in the divisional round always cover. It's a coin flip. But they typically do win these games against almost 80% over the last decade. Boys, uh, Westgate
2: just went to five in Green Bay. Michael, I'm sure you see that as well. So this is interesting. Uh, Amal,
4: I mean, Amal moved that number. I mean, he moved it. I mean, with Durant. <laughs> I mean, Westgate, I mean, John, John Murray is not going to ignore Amal's mall's. No, because I mean, it went on. towards
2: San Francisco. mall. it would be, I know, it would but be headed to saying, 10 if it, was, saying, you know. <laughs> if it was. I know, but Based on mall, the number would be headed to 20
4: the other way. <laughs> I was really, I'm appreciative that Maul even knew that since he was playing Tennessee first, I was happy that he did that, you yeah, know. Yeah,
2: no, he was all over it. They, they went to Green Bay. Josh, maybe you could talk about this movement here. Open. You know, somewhere between four and a half and five-ish. Bet up to six everywhere. This morning, this was six everywhere, blanketed. And now DraftKings five and a half, Westgate five, Circa five and a half. So we're seeing that number come
1: down in Green Bay. You guys are totally right. And again, this was an early move, kind of the biggest move of this weekend. You had a lot of books open, Green Bay laying four and a half. A lot of wise guys immediately hit that opener. Green Bay minus four and a half, lay the points, maybe some laying of five. Then it got all the way to six. And I was kind of sitting there saying, you know, is this a spot here to buy low on San Francisco? You have a lot of great stats here with Shanahan as a dog, Jimmy G as a dog. And actually, um, you know, betting against some of these divisional round favorites off a buy uh, has done pretty well historically. It's about 58%. Again, we've seen really favorites dominate so far. But guys, I'm wondering, and Michael, maybe you have some inside intel, is this a good injury report on Bosa? Is this a good injury report on Fred Warner? We know Jimmy G's got some issues, but this is the most lopsided public play, almost 70% of bets uh, at BetMGM on Green Bay. But this is the buyback we're looking at. You are seeing this movement back towards San Fran.
4: Well, I I do think the injuries are going to play a huge factor. And, And obviously, you know, the one thing that we do know is the Warner, we won't really know if he's going to be effective until we watch him. He's going to play was he effective, that's a different story. Bosa's completely out of the 49ers hands. He's completely out of their control. He's in the concussion protocol. So he's going to have to put together some days of where he doesn't have a headache. He can start to do physical activities. I mean, th- this is really the only thing. And and by looking at this number trending back, maybe that's the case. Maybe, you know, the, somebody's got a really good injury report. Because on my, on, my I know you're looking at BetMGM. We're looking at all these markets here. The money's still in favor of Green Bay, 55-45. And yet we're seeing this come down so it's, it's shop related you know draft is at new jersey here is at five and a half with a little juice on it so you know they're probably going to go to five as well
2: the other key numbers is three in tennessee is three and a half now pretty much everywhere josh
1: Yeah, you're exactly right. So we're kind of in this no man's land. We've been here uh, about 24 hours, 48 hours, maybe. There was one book that quickly got to four. I think it was either yesterday or the day before. Westgate went to Titans minus four. Remember, the Titans opened minus three. So we did see an early move. Uh, I was wondering, hey, would the public jump on the Bengals as a trendy dog? That's not really the case. Public seems to be leaning Tennessee here. You know, pros were leaning Tennessee early on the key number of three. We got to three and a half. And I think it was notable that one shop went to four for I think under maybe two or three minutes, immediately got hit Bengals plus four to bring this thing back down. So I think it's kind of, you know, wait out the next move. This is probably kind of split the difference between three and four. You're right in the middle. Uh, But Michael, any lean on that one? I lean towards Cincy and the dog there. I know we got these straight up stats with the home team, but if I'm on a dog, I want a dog that can cover. And also how effective will Derrick Henry be?
4: Well, I think Henry will be effective. I mean, I like Tennessee here. I think this is this is a little bit of a step up in class for for Cincinnati. And if you really pay close attention, which is why I think this line's moving, is Tennessee. You know, Cincinnati struggled to close out the Raiders, and part of the reason they did is because. The Raiders just went away from the running game. They allowed Jacobs to only touch the ball 13 times, and Derek Carr had it one carry for 20 yards. That can't happen. You know, Tennessee's going to run the ball. Whether Henry runs it or Foreman runs it or whomever's going to run, they're going to run it. That's who they are. They're going to play action. They're going to run it. I think it's a hard matchup, especially with Ogajobi out. The defense is kind of beat up. I think we learned that you can move the ball on Cincinnati. Now, you've got to keep them from moving the ball on you and you've got to do a better job, and Tannehill's got to protect the ball. But this, I think, is a really hard matchup for Cincy.
2: Okay, a couple things. One, Josh, we'll get a college hoops play from you on the way out. I did want to bring this up quickly, and, Michael, I know you were focused on your Miami Heat covering at home yesterday against Portland, but I don't know if you – I I don't know if you – you're welcome. I don't know (laughs) if you happen to see um, the guy formerly known as Chubby, uh, Joel Embiid, 50 points in 27 minutes – 12 boards, three blocks. I, again. You probably didn't hear about it or see it, but I, I don't know if, you, if, you, I if there was, no, and again, a big, a big win I'm, for the 76ers I, I, and cover I, it, there.
4: You know, it's funny. I did a radio show in Atlanta yesterday, and they were talking about, uh, you know, they can't, they're hoping they get Simmons, and I'm like, your hope? seriously? I mean, it, you know, we talk about the betting market being split with the money all over the place. How about the fan market being split all over? You know, that now the market is back up for Simmons, and the Kings are the hot team to come in and get. It. no i did not watch the match i was watching yellowstone last night patrick i had i did hey. not watch any nba <laughs> fair game.
2: enough then when you get done with yellowstone i think you got to circle back to like what is it 1865 it's before Something yellowstone. like that yeah, <laughs> yeah. it is before yellowstone josh uh before we say goodbye to you college college hoops today assembly hall is going to be nuts with indiana hosting purdue but you have another play a little off the radar here
1: yeah, and by the way, um, Joel Embiid, we did see just off of last night's performance, 12 to one down to eight to one for MVP. So he's really gotten wow. uh, a lot of a lot of uh, you know movement here recently. I think a month ago he's like 25 to one. So moving toward Embiid. Uh, but yeah, guys, I'm looking at Georgia Southern. I know we have a huge slate today. I like these really tiny games that people are kind of overlooking, but that are getting hit with some respected money. So this game actually opened at a pick 'em. We've seen this line move to Georgia Southern And a low bet game. With this line move, tells me some wise guys like Georgia Southern here. Uh, you have a better shooting team, Georgia Southern. 48 percent from the field versus 46 percent and I look a lot guys when you get into these conference matchups home versus road splits coastal Carolina zero and four on the road this year Georgia Southern five and at home Ken Palm's got Georgia Southern by one I'm Moneyline Georgia Southern and guys if you're looking for a new show Yellow Jackets insane like quasi like Lord of the Flies and Lost that's a really cool show just started last night Yellow Jackets I can't keep I, can,
2: I cannot keep up. That's one thing I do know. <laughs> okay, so you're going to lay you just went money line Georgia
1: Southern there, Josh. Exactly. Yeah, because again, when you're at a, a one, you know, what if they win by one? You push. You lay the one. I'll just lay minus one fifteen with the juice there. Okay. Thank you, buddy. Appreciate
2: it. Market Insights Pod, Thanks, Josh. across America as well. You know, maybe we should check in. Did Jimmy G and Amal date the same person?
4: <laughs> maybe <laughs> you know, there might be something. A man. He's a man about town. I mean, you know, <laughs> There might be something to that Green Bay's getting a lot of
2: healthy players back here. We'll get into that next here at Lombardi.
3: To the Lombardi Line on VSEN, featuring former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now, once again, here's Patrick Maher.
2: Okay, of course, BetMGM, a proud sponsor here of the Lombardi Line. It's 10 bucks to win 200 NBA game tonight. You pick a side, you bet 10 dollars on it. If anybody hits a three-pointer, you're going to win 200. It's that simple. Regardless of your bet's outcome, VSEN 200 vsIN 200. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. BetMGM app, you can also download that. MLife Rewards, so anytime you bet with the BetMGM app or at BetMGM.com, you get rewards redeemable for a room and dining at an MGM property. So it doesn't get much better than that. Tonight, 10 bucks to win 200 for new betters. Beeson 200 is the code, 1-800-GAMBLER, if you have an issue. Okay, we got you back. It, it does, the conversation you and them all were having, it does kind of, Lend itself to how polarizing Jimmy G is as a player, um, and I bring that up because the decision the 49ers are going to have to make after this postseason run is going to be fascinating. Are you hearing anything? Look, they traded away the future of the organization for trade land, so obviously they're going to try to get him sooner than later. But uh, if Jimmy G wins this in Green Bay, they've got they've got a situation on their hands.
4: They do, and you know, but they also feel like, look, they're in no man, they're in perfect position because there's so many teams that need quarterback, and Jimmy's cheap. Although Amal doesn't think so, that his contract is really easy to trade. It's a lot easier to trade Jimmy Garoppolo at 24 million or whatever the hell he makes than it is to trade Kirk Cousins at 45, right. completely buttoned up and guaranteed. So, I, I think that the, you know, it, it's always there's two questions today in today's game. You have to ask yourself about players. Is he how well does he play, and what is his contract like you can say Derek Carr is falls short in a lot of areas, and he does, but his contract's really good, and he's good enough to win games, and if you want to run him out of there because of that because he just doesn't meet all your expectations, you're not going to replace him with a better player. I don't think so. So you've got to try to figure out a way or plan a way. That's so why I thought the Raiders, instead of drafting Leatherwood, they should have drafted a quarterback because it would have helped them launch into the next era without having to pay Carr $45 million or whatever he's going to get. Same thing with the Brownies. Same thing with them. So I do, I do think that because you, you're not getting around paying quarterbacks. I mean, you're just not going to get around it. And sometimes some of these teams are going to have to bite the bullet. Like if whoever the next coach of the Raiders is, whomever that may be, you know, I would, I would say Carr's got two years to prove. You've got to extend Carr out a year, whether it's the franchise tag or whether you make a deal. But you've got to give it at least that time because there's no other quarterbacks. I mean, this draft doesn't have them, and it takes you two years to figure it out. I will say with
2: Garoppolo, it's not, he's dealing with an immense amount of pain with the thumb. But now you add the shoulder to the mix the identity of the 49ers is a run of football that's you add the cold you know exacerbating that injury I to me that he's he's in a tough spot here going to Green Bay and Green Bay we talked about it a little bit earlier Michael they're going to get hopefully Zedaria Smith back Jair Alexander who hasn't played since week four looks like he's going to be back Bakhtiari back I mean they're this they're starting to get healthy at the right time the backers
4: you know, and when they played the first time, I really felt like Garoppolo was under a lot of pressure because they got behind in the game, 17 to nothing. Now they moved it back down the field. They got a great, they got a pass interference call that really helped them on that two-minute drive. And so, you know, that was a situation where they, they can't get into that because, for all of the great things that Kyle Shanahan does with his offense is when it becomes a drop-back pass game, they can't pass protect. Trent Williams can, but pretty much nobody else can. Tomlinson at left guard, he's going to get called for holding at least once in this game. So, And then the right tackle, McGlinchey, he's not even playing. He's on IR, so they've got some backup offense. Alec Mack, the center, he didn't play very well the first time. So... The, 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 the pressure created by Green Bay and with Smith back, that certainly will help. Whether Alexander can match up and play, I don't know. I don't know how well he's going to look when he gets on the field, but they are healthier. And they did a great job the first time they played them of stopping the run and putting more pressure on the, on, on the 49ers offense. And that all being said, the Niners are 37 seconds away from winning the game.
2: What's changed as well? The 49er offense is much better now than what the Packers saw in week three. That, no uh, doubt. I, that I think it goes without saying I mean especially with the I guess they're calling him a wide back in Debo I mean just he had eight touchdowns running the football I mean he had 15 total he had over 1770 as far as total yards that's third in the NFL Debo Samuel's been a revelation.
4: No doubt, and he and you know he's really good with the ball in his hands afterwards. And you know this is why you know the the point. I mean, the, the, the Packers average twenty six and a half points a game with Aaron Rodgers. That's tenth in the NFL. This team averages twenty five point one. They're thirteenth, you know, and their defense of what they give up is pretty. This is an even game. It's a better defense this now game,
2: too. I agree. Yeah, sorry, exactly.
4: Ahead. The difference in this game, Patrick, is is the turnover takeaway. I mean, the Packers are the third best team in that category at plus thirteen. And we know San Francisco turns the ball over too much, and their takeaway differential is minus four. They're 22nd. The fact that they've gotten here turning the ball over is somewhat a, a tribute to their resiliency and their ability to kind of overcome some obstacle, like that 17-0 lead. I mean, you get Aaron Rodgers gets you down 17-0. That's a long way back. Now, I know they were playing home, and that helps. And you can't fall behind in Lambeau Field down 17-0. I can tell you that. However, that being said, You know, you've got to be able to. They must protect better than they did the first time they played them.
2: And I'm thinking back to that week three matchup. First off, that San Francisco secondary was in shambles then. The front wasn't playing like it's playing now. It's a different San Francisco. I think it's going to be a good game. I know most believe it's just this Aaron Rodgers uh, comeback tour, just like, you know, showing everybody who's boss. But to me, San Francisco shouldn't be overlooked in this spot.
4: No, especially because, look, we saw this in week 16 of the season, you know, where the, the Cleveland Browns went in there and they forced and they, they ran the ball for 219 yards. And if Baker plays a little better, that 24-22 game, they've got a chance to win it. Now, you know, the Browns played a lot of zone in that game. Rodgers was good. Of course, he didn't turn the ball over. I mean, you know, that's the thing. The reason the, the, the Packers are so good in turnover differential is their quarterback never turns the ball over. I mean, the last time he turned the ball over was at the Rams game. The the Packer offense was the Rams game in week 12 that they won. That's the last time they turned the ball over other than the last game of the year against the Lions with Jordan Love at quarterback, which doesn't count. So – you know, for me, th- this is why the-, the pressures on Garoppolo to play mistake-free because there's no margin of error when you play Green Bay. Like, you're not going to be able to. Like, when Green Bay played Tampa in the championship game last year, for as bad as they played in the first half, Brady's three interceptions allowed them to get back in the game. They got back into that game. They couldn't close it out. This is not going to be the case. If you turn the ball over in the first half, like Garoppolo, then Green Bay is going to walk to the conference championship game because he's not going to, the, the other guy's not going to turn it over.
2: This is going to be the the 49ers attempting to win their third straight on the road. This They're playing in their ninth roadie in the last 11
4: overall, which is incredible.
2: This, it's a, I mean, it's a I, think I, I think they love it.
4: I think they I think they actually embrace it. And, you know, one thing and we talked about this on the show, we had Steve Mackin on yesterday about how, you know, offensively, the, those teams really help, uh, you know, the offense helps play well on the road. And it's been a Bill Walshism for his whole career. When you can get first downs, you can quiet the crowd. And you get first downs and you score points, you can quiet the crowd. And that's what the forty ers can do. Now, I think the script's gotta be really good. I don't think they can play from behind in this. If they get down seventeen on this game, I don't think they come back. They've got to be able to play really well in the first quarter.
2: I know this. We need to have we need we maybe we should shift them all to Monday. <laughs> <laughs> to see if Jimmy G plays well, then you can shove it in his face. If he doesn't, then he
4: can have his well, fun. Well, my whole it. point was, and it was, to me, I was just trying to – I mean, look, I. I if you're going to be objective, there's no way you could say Jimmy G plays the lead or didn't miss throws and it was somebody else's fault. I, that, that's not who I am. I'm going to call a spade a spade. However, that being said, I don't think you can lay all the blame at his feet. You know, everybody wanted to blame the Tennessee game on him when he was a part of the losses. But but also they were 9 for 15, allowing third down conversions. Their defense, if they get off the field at any point in that game, they got a chance to win it. And all I'm saying is trying to have some balance here. It's not just – it's never just about one guy. It's always about something else.
2: Yeah. You know, you mentioned it at the top. What did Rodgers have, four picks this year? They, it's always fascinating when they, they juxtapose Rodgers to Favre. The risk adversity from Rodgers takes him to a whole nother. I mean, he's just he doesn't throw picks, you know, far of the gunslinger and others. I mean, well, yeah, here it is. Twenty thirty seven touchdowns, four picks. He didn't throw any picks last year either. He just does not give the football to the other team.
4: And what's amazing is, is he throws the ball into extremely tight windows and he, and he doesn't get the ball picked off. Check this out. Like When you watch Baker Mayfield play, there's a ton of – the defense gets their hands on a ton of balls. On Rodgers, you don't get your hands on the ball.
2: Last four years, two picks, four picks, five picks, four picks. Four seasons worth. He's thrown nine, 10, 11, 12, like 13 picks in four seasons. That's incredible. He's remarkable.
4: That's why he's the MVP again this year.
2: Will he win it is the question. So if you had your – if it were up to you, it'd be – Coach, it'd be Vrabel, and MVP, it'd be Rodgers. That's it.
4: Simple. No, that's, that's the correct answer. Okay. <laughs> that, is, that is
2: the correct answer to the question on the test. So, Michael, that was fun. Enjoy your Thursday. Thanks, we'll Patrick. be back at it tomorrow getting ready for divisional weekend here. Thank you, buddy. Appreciate you. Okay. M Lombardi NFL on Twitter. Coming up next, a fired up a mall and Mike Shaw odds on. It's b the sports betting network.